Lord, we agree completely with this song. You can save. You've paid all the required price and given us total freedom and salvation. You can save to the utmost. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that has brought us to where we are. And the grace we believe that will carry us through. Be thou exalted. Lord, as we continue in this meeting, continue to walk in our hearts. We want to be like you, Jesus. Perfect your work in us and make us true disciples. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I continue to thank His Grace, the Archbishop of Enugu Province and Bishop of Enugu Diocese for giving me this permission to stand before you this weekend and thank my brother, the vicar of the church and his team of leaders for this wonderful opportunity and platform. I appreciate you all for your being here the essence of what we are doing. If you are not here, we may not be speaking to the seats. So thank you for making our time to be here. In the same way, we appreciate our brethren who are following us online. We are praying that the Lord will perfect His purpose of bringing us together. Yesterday when we started we made attempt to show the need for intentional discipleship. And at the end of that meeting, we promised that from today, we'll be looking at what we ought to do. In the morning section that is for leaders, we made effort to have a clear understanding of who is a disciple, what it means to make disciples, and those things we are to look at when we are discipling people, or we look at when we want to become disciples. This evening, we want to look at one key thing that I believe is very foundational to discipleship, which everyone needs to know and begin to apply. Our topic is only one thing is needful. Only one thing is needful. I want to start with a story. 
the story of a brother, Brother Anthony, who is a vibrant young man and who became a believer at the age of uh, over 25 years ago. He still lost for the things of God. And his wife, Nkechi, is also a believer who loves God. Their marriage is blessed with three children, a boy and two girls. Brother Anthony taught his family the importance of reading Bible daily and praying. In fact, the family devotion is compulsory for everybody in the house. You dare not miss it. Brother Anthony's zeal in the things of God and the grace of God upon him brought him to many assignments both in the church and the fellowship and other ministries. He is currently the secretary of his church and the treasurer of their men's fellowship. He is also the prayer and spirituality coordinator of the same church, prayer secretary of his fellowship, and a founder and leader of a deliverance ministry. He's also, he also coordinates their annual community crusades and the youth leader of his community. Brother Tony has a lot of crusade engagements, but recently his wife started to notice some strange behavior in him. His wife wanted to tell him of her observations, but this led to a quarrel. When Anthony realized what he has done, he wondered what would have been wrong. He quarreled with the wife because of some strange behaviors that the wife noticed. Now let's read the Bible passage and then we will tie it to the story. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 to 42. Luke 10 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you very much. We will be asking some questions from this. Um, who are the actors here in this passage? Can you name them? How many? Three persons. Thank you very much. Now, Jesus 
was invited by Mary and Martha. And Jesus came to the house. What was Martha doing when Jesus came? Or what did she do? What did Martha do? Just raise up your hand so that we, if you want to answer, you want to answer. What did Martha, yes ma'am? She was cooking. Cooking what? My, my. Fried rice. Okay, I was thinking it's pepper soup. Okay. For who? For Jesus. Okay. What, what, what did Martha do when Jesus came? Sorry, Mary. 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 Yes, ma'am. She was listening to the preaching of Jesus. Okay. Now, Mary complained. Sorry, Martha complained about what Martha Mary was doing. In your own view, was Martha right or wrong in her complaint? Eh? She was right. Why? Just raise up your head so that we. Why? Yes, sir. Please, can you give her microphone? Give him. Sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me. Do you think that matter was right in her complaint? Well, maybe from matter's angle now, we think that she wanted Jesus to be quickly entertained mm. so that uh, we can now sit and listen to what Jesus has to tell us. So to you, matter was saying first thing first. It will appear something like that, what she considered first. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, assuming, just take yourself to be Jesus in this story now. And you hear Martha bring this complaint. What will you do? Yes, sir. I will ask Mary to go and assist her sister in the kitchen. Yeah! How many of you will not say that? That's the same thing I will do. Just imagine that I come to your house. Possibly you didn't know that I will be coming. And the right thing is to receive me well. And in our culture, the best way to receive a visitor is to give him good food. That takes time to prepare. And our sister said, Martha was preparing fried rice. 
the fried rice was meant for Jesus. Jesus had the complaint. And from the story, we assume that Martha was living with Mary alone. No other person. And preparing such a meal when you don't have much time requires many hands. Again, it was obvious that this fried rice is for Jesus. So, if I were Jesus and this complaint come to me, I will just say what our brother said. Matter. But why now? Just go, just go. Just go. Later you come. You re- Mary, Mary, sorry. I, you know, in the afternoon, the, uh, um, there were some people who wanted to ask questions. We pleaded with them. Please, later we take the question. Let's dismiss now. That's the same thing we would have applied. Mary, I'm still here. Go and help your sister. So, I was surprised. Look at Jesus' response. Look at your Bible. Verse 40. Forty-one, sorry. Forty-one, we will come to forty later. Read forty-one. Verse forty-one. But the Lord said to her, My dear mother, you are worried and upset over all these details. Hmm. Forty-two. It's okay. My translation called matter two times. Do you have that in your translation? And what does that mean in our culture? Eh? You know, in our, in our uh, culture, sometimes we will say, <laughs> mothers know how to say that. Matter! Matter! How many times have I called you now? Matter! <laughs> that has passed a lot of message. If you don't say no, that it has passed a lot of message. Matter! Matter! You are worried! About too many things. And upset. About too many things. Hmm. This people. I continue in verse 42. But only one thing is necessary. Mary. Has made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. Now tell me. Assuming you were a matter. And you had this response. From a visitor. Whom you are preparing fried rice for. What will you do? (laughs) Please raise up your hand and tell me. (laughs) Yes. What will you do? I will join Mary. And even when you join Mary, what will be running in your heart? Okay. Since you don't like eating, oh yeah, let's listen. Let's listen. 
It is only words that we eat. Let me hear when you will complain that you are are hungry. (laughs) And before them, verse 40 said, Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Martha was distracted from by her many tasks. I looked at this and asked so many questions. Was it I, I, I looked at Jesus' response. Was it that Jesus was not hungry? Or he didn't appreciate Martha's effort to serve him? Was it? Could it be that Jesus was rude on Martha? On hearing such a complaint, and from every indication, Martha, Mary, was Juno's sister of Martha. So if for no other reason, Jesus should have encouraged obedience to the senior. But look at Jesus' response. Martha! Martha! How many times did I call you now? And I felt Jesus was holding his ears for Mary to know that she should hear this. You are worried about too many things. How I wish the story had continued to tell us whether Jesus later ate (laughs) in the house or not. But he stopped here. And that is to tell us this is the reason why this was recorded. To pass this message that only one thing is needful. You know this life. When I read this, I started asking myself, but actually, am I not worried about so many things? I don't know about you, but I asked myself, am I not worried about so many things? And in that, in the midst of the worry, you even become confused of the major target. Look at our story. Brother Anthony, a highly gifted brother. The story ended with the quarrel he had with the wife. In your view, what did you think led to the quarrel? What led to the quarrel between Antonio and his wife? Eh? What is the matter syndrome? <laughs> 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 to 
too many activities on the side of man. What was the result of the too many activities? He neglected the family. Yes? Yes, ma'am. Lack of attention to the family. Poor communication. You remember in the story I said she started missing the morning prayers which he instituted. He started missing it. When the wife complained and the, the strange character that he started exhibiting, when the wife complained, that was when they quarreled. Brethren, the key message I discovered from this story in Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42, is that God is more interested in whom we are than He is in what we do. Did you get me? God is more interested in whom I am, in my being. Let me put it that way. God is more interested in my being than he is in my doing. Many times we've thought of pleasing God by what we do. We think God will be happier. God is interested. God wants what we do for him. But this story taught me he is more interested in my being than in my doing. Somebody was saying this and said that's why we are called human beings and not human doing. But you know check from tomorrow morning your interest and focus is on what you do. Even when you come to church like this you know, sometimes we observe it. Thank God the way your church is organized. There are some churches that organize this meeting, this type of meeting. You see people during the main program. You see them running from Gatasket. At the end of the program, you will ask them, they say, this program is wonderful. They didn't hear anything. Nothing. And sometimes you may even give them the tape, the record of the program. They will not play it. And so, a whole program will come like this that a person was involved in planning and invested time and money and he will receive anything. Because we have it in our mind that God is more interested in what I do. In our judgment, we will now say, if I didn't bring the speaker and if I had not gone to bring other things that he forgot, how would he preach? And if I didn't arrange the church, how can the church run the program? That's not true. It's just like matter now. Food is important to Jesus. He may eat. But you remember what he told his apostles when he asked them to go and buy bread. In John chapter 4. They bought the bread and came and said, we bought the bread. I said, keep your bread. I have another food to eat which you don't know anything about. God has not called us to do anything for him. That thing you think you can do for God. He has so many ways of getting it. 
Let it settle in your heart that you are called not for what you will do for him. Whether it is giving money, whether it is serving at any level, whether whatever. God is not interested in what you do. He is more interested in whom you are. You are being. Praise God. And so, we want to look at that one thing that is needful. What is that one thing that is needful? Jesus talked about distractions. Jesus talked about many tasks. We also saw in matter, complain. And you know, many times when we are not even getting things, that's when we blame others. When you are not living right with God, that's when you see fault in others. <laughs> I don't know whether I get what I'm saying. When you begin to see the failure of others more than you see yourself, that's a sign that you are not standing right with God. When you are closer to God, you see more of your errors than you see others. These are indices of our growth and relationship with God. Matter was distracted. His attention was removed from the mountain. Many matter was doing so many tasks, possibly thinking that those tasks will please the master that has visited. And matter complained about another person. Remember, Jesus talked about why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and you forget the log that is in your own eye. Say, first of all, remove the log from your eye. Then you can see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. And we see this complaint today. Discuss with a brother. Just a little discussion. You pick another person and start telling how he is not doing well and how you are better. Whenever anybody is discussing in that way, it's a sign that he is matter. It's a man that is so dependent and think that God will accept him by what he are, what he's doing. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Let's read Mark 3, 14. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Yeah. Then he appointed twelve of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach. Thank you. Please can somebody read from King James, New King James Version, Mark 3, 14. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. Thank you very much. Then Mark again, chapter 1, verse 17. Chapter 1, verse 17. Chapter 1, verse 17. Then Jesus, then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Thank you very much. Read John chapter 15, 
John chapter 15 verse 5. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I, and I in him, bear mo- bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Mm. Thank you very much. Now, in Mark chapter 3 verse 14, Jesus appointed 12 disciples that they might be with him. That they might be with him. I want you to mark that. The major reason why Jesus appointed the 12 is that they might be with him. And that he may send them. Please, can you help me interpret this verb? Might and may. What's the difference? That they might be with him so that he may send them. Are they the same? Eh? Might and may. Are they the same? They are the same. Tell me now, help me. Are they the same? Yes, sir. It's uh, something like uh, a conditional. Mm. Um, a conditional, would I say a conditional verb, mm. um, which means to say um, that being with him, if they come to study him and become like him, he may now, the mm. other one is, the other one now is, um, a wish, a right. desire. He All may right. now send them for something. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Assistant. They are the same thing. Simple past tense of me. Okay. The way it is used in the sentence. All right. You are right. Your interpretation is right also. The grammar may put it to be the same. But Jesus was like saying, the condition upon which I will send you is by your being with me. Do you get it now? So, so that they might be with him and that he may send them out to preach. Jesus, previously in chapter 1 verse 17, had called the same disciples saying, follow me. And I will make you. So the making of the disciples or the making of men into fishers of men is on the condition of following Jesus. Again, in John chapter 15 verse 5, Jesus tells his disciple to abide in me 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. In each of these cases, being with Jesus precedes being sent out by him. Following Jesus precedes becoming fishers of others. And abiding in him precedes bearing fruit. Martha complained to Jesus that she was left doing all the housework. Jesus reminds her that Mary has chosen the better thing, which is to sit at Jesus' feet. To sit at Jesus' feet and to learn from him. Personal devotion, which is a time spent in the presence of Jesus, in his word and prayer, is the source of motivation, power and fruitfulness for any service we might render for him. You know, when we are looking at this topic, I believe that after the morning section especially, many of us went home with the question, what do we do? How do I begin? And when you hear such teaching, your mind will be running around. Sometimes you'll be taking so many decisions. I will begin discipleship tomorrow. I will look for three persons. I will look for someone that will mentor me. So many things will be running around your mind. But we want to know the mind of God when he gave this command and set for us this model. We want to look at one thing that I see as foundational. What every one of us, from the day you give your life to Jesus, should be doing and should devote ourselves to. From what Jesus taught in the Bible. And that is personal devotion. What did I say? Please, can we say it again? Personal devotion. And by personal devotion... We mean time spent in the presence of God. Time spent in the presence of God. In His word and prayer. I was saying yesterday that these days, what people do and even boast about is midnight prayer. Arrow prayers. Pray by 12 midnight. That's when you set the day. That's how it is taught. That's when you take over the day. That's when witches are in their meeting, in their coven. And when you pray that time, you will disorganize them. That is wonderful. The only problem I have with this type of prayer is that they are taught not to read Bible. They have been given lists of prayers they will pray. And Bible references are just men. Not to study or know the mind of God, but to support their type of prayer. Many Christians keep awake many nights praying this type of prayer, but this is not devotion. Devotion is 
get in the presence of God in his word and prayer. In his word and prayer. Two key things. You must read the word. You must hear him before you speak back in prayer. That is devotion. It is the source of motivation. You are crying that nobody is encouraging you. You are crying that you, you, you are facing a lot of challenges and failures. Motivation you need is to go to God in personal devotion. For it is also the source of power. You are looking for power. People tell you it is the number of days you fast. You should go to mountain. Because we have had men of God tell us when maybe grace of God manifests in their lives, they say, do you know the price I have paid to get this? And we want to pay price. And they will go for that to tell us that they fasted 40 days without anything on the mountain. But I want to tell you, brethren, the source of power, real power, is devotion, personal devotion. In the presence of God, Time spent in his word and prayer. It is the source of power. It is also the source of fruitfulness. You are a minister or even a leader or just ordinary believer. Sorry, not ordinary, but just a believer. You want to be fruitful. You want to live the life of Jesus. You want to bear fruit that we honor the Lord. The source of it is personal devotion. Nothingness. Surprisingly, many believers, including pastors and church leaders, run here and there, trying to live the Christian life. They try. They want to live Christian life. They love it. They want to serve. They want to teach. But they don't spend consistent time with the Lord personally. They don't. We were doing this study with some clergymen. And after the study, many of us, many of them, said, this is true. Because somebody asked us, can you remember when last you read your Bible? Devotionally, not for preparing for someone. And many of us said, it had been long ago. The only time you study the Bible is when you are preparing for a sermon. And do you know, sometimes, even for some of us that study, when we study the Bible, we study it with the, with the understanding of, let me pick what I will tell them. And the things you are marking, it things you will tell them. It's an error. We must spend time with God to receive, to reflect, and to respond. Three things you do in devotion. You first of all receive from Him. You reflect on what you've received. And then you respond. You receive, you reflect, you respond. 
We will talk on that later. A recent study to determine the most important factor in spiritual growth showed by far that the single most important factor was engaging with God's word personally at least four times per week. There was a study carried out among believers to discover the most important factor that can help us in our spiritual growth. And it was discovered that one thing, one thing, not that other things are not important, but one thing, if you, you can avoid every other thing, don't avoid that one, is personal devotion. If you are consistent in it, and do it at least four times a week, you will be growing steadily. Try it. And this means, receiving God's word, reflecting on his meaning, and responding to it personally. You receive God's word by reading it, you reflect to understand the meaning, and you respond by knowing what that passage is telling you as a person, not what he's telling your wife, or what he's telling your husband, or what he's telling your children. That's why what many of us do in our homes, we don't see the needed results, or the desired results. When we come for family devotion, many parents think that it is a time to rebook and teach children, and to tell them their errors. You read this passage, and then your mind is just going on that boy. <laughs> you call his name. You may not be the person conducting, but after reading the person, you call him, Chike, did you hear what we read now? Can you tell me what he's saying? Did you say anything here? The chicken will tell you, yes, I see it. He said, what did he say? He said, don't fight your parents. Okay. I'm happy you've got it. <laughs> he said, chicken, you see now? That's what I've been telling you. You see, what I've been saying is in the Bible. The way you treat me, God is not happy. And when God is not happy, what do you think he will do you? You will go to hell. Let us pray. <laughs> and you think tomorrow chicken will be happy in your family devotion. That's not devotion we are talking about. We are talking about when you will look at God's word and allow it to speak to you as a person, forgetting every other person. That's devotion. That's devotion. We pre I prefer calling this disciplined daily devotion. Three Ds. It may be the same thing as quiet time. But why I prefer this name is because of the content of the name that I will explain later. Disciplined daily devotion. Three Ds. It is discipline because it requires an intentional process of engaging God's word, which may not come naturally. 
at first. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Talking about your personal devotion. So it requires discipline. It is daily because it must be practiced regularly, just like breathing. And it is devotion because the goal is to grow more in love with Jesus and obedience to Him from the heart. Anyone who desires to be fruitful in his personal life, marriage, family, work, or ministry must get involved in this practice and privilege of disciplined daily devotion. It is the most important thing one can do to grow spiritually and become instrument of revival. So what I'm saying is that the goal into the whole world and make disciples must start from each one of us. We must begin personal discipleship. And how to begin personal discipleship is this. Jesus himself said of Mary, she had chosen the best and nobody will take it from her. Sitting with Jesus, listening to him on daily basis, if you do that, there will be a, 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 a transformation coming out of your life. And people will be wondering, what is happening? Praise God. Then, let's know this. Three days is not something we do to please anybody. So you are not doing it to please anybody. So, because sometimes we, we may think that when we do such things, it's things we, uh, what we will boast uh, uh, with. You are not doing it to please anybody. You are doing it for your own good. It is not a way to compare our spirituality with others. No. You are not doing it so that you tell people when you discuss, you tell them every day, I am consistent in my devotion. No. It is not the same with preparation for someone. Preparing your someone as we, as we a clergyman or minister is different from 3D. It is purely for yourself and not for anybody. Remember, it is devotion and should include prayer and worship. But spend time reading and meditating on the Bible passage following four steps that I will explain soon. Four steps. There are four steps we will use. In the morning, we talked about 4H. We also bring in 4H in understanding the scripture or interpreting the scripture. You remember our 4H? How many of you came in the morning here? How many of you? Okay, our 4H. The first H, head. Second one, heart. Third one, hand. Fourth, help. We use the same thing in interpreting the Bible. The head. You said, what does the passage say? You make observations. What does the passage mean? Make interpretation. Interpretation and observation. So when you read Bible, don't just think that when you close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, please tell me what this thing means. The Holy Spirit will tell you there's a way to study. You read the Bible, make observations. This is what we just had done in our passage, Luke chapter 10. 
I asked you how many characters do we see here? You said three. And that was true observation. Then we started interpreting. Interpreting. Many, many uh, 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 matters complaint. Jesus responds. And what that means. So you interpret in that way. All this come under head. Then the heart. In the heart, we talk about what is my attitude and my struggles. You ask about your struggles, your questions, your hope, and your praise from that passage. Permit me to share this. Yesterday, I was reading Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Verse 1 to 5, 4. So, Luke chapter 15. In my devotion, verse 1 to 7, sorry. Can we read that so that I, I just, just briefly what we mean by this? Using the forgage to study the Bible in our devotion. Are you there? Luke chapter 15, 1 to 7. Can somebody read for us? Hmm. To listen to Jesus, to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Thank you very much. Now, before we get into making observation and interpretation of this passage, just to tell you that it is normal observation and then the normal interpretation. Look at me. Are you seeing me? You are seeing me where you are. Then make observation about me. Just tell me what you see on me. Yes, raise up your hand and tell me. What are you seeing in this man standing here? Talk now. Make your observation. Yes, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> you are closer. What are you seeing? He said, I am an average man. Oh, yeah. Talk again. Okay. So, you have your best, uh, your, I have my, oh, my glasses. glasses. Then you are... Pectoral cross. Uh -huh. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Make your own observation. Who again? Yes, sir. 
Tell me what you are seeing in this man standing here. Uh-huh. He are wearing a black. And that's very wonderful. From where you are. So his observation may be different from mommy's observation because of where they are. Yes, sir. A black. I can't say whether it is a uh, gown or safari. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and then there is, uh, it will appear you are a minister because okay. I see a cola, white oh. cola, and then a pink something. There is a gold cross chain mm. on your neck. Mm. Uh, which you have a pair of glass yeah. and then a mask that is below your mouth. <laughs> you, yeah. You are making a wonderful observation. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Clap for him. Clap for him. Now, this is just observation. You are making observation. What do you see from your own angle? Now, when we read Bible, that's the way you approach study of Bible. Make simple observations. What are the names mentioned here? What is the tone that the speaker is using? Is there an emphasis of words here? Was he telling a story? Is it a parable? Is it a real invent? Ordinary teaching or a song? What led to this story I'm reading? These observations. You get them through questions. You ask questions. And as you're asking, they writing down. They writing down. So, when you make this observation, interpret. Now, mommy, from your observation, you saw me putting on this. And our brother, you saw something like color. What does that suggest to you? Okay. So it will, it will possibly mean perhaps this is a minister, but not just any minister. I say minister that has authority over, maybe over others, over a certain, a certain area because of that. Uh, Those things that he's putting on. Yes. Thank you very much. You see, from his observation, he has moved further to interpret. Yes, people can dress like this. But there are things I saw in this man that is telling me that this may be this. You apply the same thing when you read Bible. Make observation. Interpret. That is all about head. That is all about head. Now, with this now, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. Can you make observation? Tell me what you observe here. Yes. What did you see? Yes, ma'am. The first thing I notice that that I observe 
is that um, tax collectors and other notorious sinners usually come to listen to Jesus as he speaks. And okay. this was very displeasing to the disciples. That's the first thing I note here. It caused okay. complaints from the, um, the Jewish leaders. They were not happy that these people were coming to speak to Jesus. Thank you. Tax collectors and notorious sinners were coming to Jesus. And the Jewish leaders were not happy. That's a good observation. Who again? Make your observation. Yes, sir. Also, notice that um, from here, many of the, let's say, the wicked people, mm. uh, the, the, the despised of the society, we are the people that we are more forward in coming to Jesus. Mm. Then the other ones, we are probably observing from a distance mm. and muttering. It's not as if they, we are not noticing what was happening, but they are not forward in coming to Jesus. But they are observant and, uh, and uh, <laughs> making some, making some, making kind of some judgment on who this person mm. Jesus was based on the people that we are coming to him. Thank you. Those that we are not actually coming closer. We are judging those who we are coming closer. That's his observation. Yes, ma'am. I observe that Jesus is a very receptive person here, regardless of the person's status. Mm. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they had, they had, they, they minded, or they, they, they tried not to relate to it certain kind of people, especially the tax collectors and sinners, because of their status. So mm. probably they didn't just want to relate with them. So Jesus to them was, uh, why will you relate with this set of people because of their status as tax collectors and sinners? And tax collectors were sinners, people who were dubious or sinners because they collected money or something. Mm. Thank you. Jesus was receptive of sinners. That's a good interpretation. You've now moved to interpretation. So, now... Did you observe this led to Jesus telling them a story? Eh? Then, what do you see in that story? How many sheep? Hundred. How many got lost? One. What did the owner do to 99? He left them. And did what for the one? No, not just one word. There are many things he did there. Verse 4. Eh? What do you do? Jesus was asking them question. Who does not leave the 99? Go after the lost one. Until he, he, he gets that one. So, what of what happened when that lost ship was found? Eh? So the message that Jesus wants to pass across through this parable. What's the message? What's the message? Eh? 
No, there's something in verse 7. What was the message that he wanted to pass across? Verse 7. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than 99 righteous people who don't need uh, repentance. That's the message of the parable. Now, after this observation, you now move to attitude, the hearts. The hearts. And the question you may ask yourself, the heart now is not observation, it's not interpretation. In the interpretation, you may even read many versions. You may, if you have concordance, you may find out the meaning of some words that are difficult. You may use dictionary. You may search, you may google some words, but they are all about head. But you, when you move to heart, you don't need any concordance. The concordance is here. You are with it. You now bring this thing you've interpreted to yourself. For instance, the question I asked myself in that verse 1. These two group of people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the tax collectors and sinners, where can I place myself? Assuming now Jesus forced me to say, Tell me where you belong among these two. It's not an easy question. First of all, I will look at my attitude towards people. Brethren, when I was reading here, I discovered that I most of the times I behaved like the Pharisees. I don't know whether this thing has happened to you. You heard about a brother or a sister that did something wrong and when coming to church the next day you see the sister singing you heard something that that sister did and you were sure he did that thing a terrible sin but many, many people didn't know then coming to church the following day, just as you are coming in, the sister is saying, Praise God! What comes into your mind? <laughs> Praise God! Church, I'm no. Usually our attitude. We place ourselves better than other people. So I saw here that most of the time I behave like the Pharisees. I condemn people. I even have marked some people that they are not for heaven. Just Think about your village. Those wicked people in the village that are known. You know, there are levels of wickedness. There are some professional wicked, wicked men. Professors. You know, as you have professors in medicine, you have also professors in wickedness. The expert in those areas. People know them. They are known. And they've dealt with you. That if not for God, Ah, your whole family would have been forgotten. 
So to such people, do you ever remember or think, does it cross your mind that these people, such people can make heaven? Assuming you, you had a dream where you saw that person going to heaven. <laughs> you know, I'm giving you the picture how my mind, when I read this thing, how my mind went through so that I know where I place myself. There are people I've marked and said, yes, there's no need preaching to them because they won't go to heaven. I've marked them as if I'm the register of heaven. So that's why it was clear to me that I have been behaving like Sadducees and Pharisees. This alone, let's not go further because of time. When you look at it in this way at the heart level, then you go down to hand. What do I do? Obedience. Obedience. How do I respond to this now? What, how can I obey? That's the application. As I discovered this, <laughs> I sat down under God and started listing some people that I have condemned in my heart or that I, I saw as not fit for the kingdom. First of all, I repented, but it won't stop in repenting. I asked God and prayed and thought of what action will I take? And I want to tell you, this place has led me to take some drastic measures, some actions, very tangible actions. This led me to forgiveness without waiting for, for, for apology or confession or whatever. That was how this God used this place to speak to me. So this is how to do devotion. And when you do it in this way, depending on the passage you read, it doesn't matter the time. It can be 15 minutes. So don't be carried away by some of us when we preach, we said in our devotion we don't spend anything less than 2 hours. It is not about time. Begin with little time. The important thing is the result. The important thing is the growth. When you read and ask these questions, and God speaks to you, take that action. And in the help, what you do is that the decision you've taken, what you should do, what I usually do is that I share it with people. Why I share it is that they will hold me accountable. I share with my wife, I share with the chaplain or driver. Those that are close to me, because if I share with somebody very, very far away, they may not watch if I be doing that. So I share it with them. The sharing with them do two things. One is that it communicates to them the message I've received. When I share it with them, they will also be blessed. It's evangelism. It's mission. Secondly, it will help me to make me accountable. So this is the 4 H. You can apply it in every passage of the scripture. Head, make observations. 
Interpret. Bring it to yourself. There are places where you will read. You may not see condemnation for yourself. You will see joy. You will say, God, thank you for this. For instance, you may, you may read about a promise. You stand on the promise. And stand that this is what God is telling me on this situation. Or an encouragement. It may not be a book all the time. So, this issue of hearing God. Why so many of us are searching for prophets. And getting into wrong hands. If you meet with God on daily basis, you may not need anybody to prophesy to you. Because you will be receiving from Him on daily basis. And actually you will be taken, people will be surprised. This is the beginning of discipleship. When you start it in this way, you will see growth in you and before you know it, you will be already discipling others. This is the foundation. This is the one thing this is the reason why Jesus neglected his, his fried rice and gave more time to discussing with Mary. He said, this thing Mary has chosen is the very important thing and nobody will take it away from her. Commit yourself to it and I encourage you. You know your work, you know how your day is. Choose the right time. We were taught in those days that it must be 2 a.m. It's not a must. Take your own time. You must not do it 2 hours, 4 hours. You can start with 10 minutes and grow. Get a Bible passage. Read. You can use your normal devotional guide. Daily guide, daily fountain, others. But let's stop this issue of Reading Bible for praying and all prayers. He has not been helping us in growing. Let's read Bible to hear God. Speak to us. Not speak to others. So that we become better Christians. Discipleship begins when you are a disciple. When you become a disciple, you can now disciple others. That's why Jesus said that he appointed the twelve. That they may be with him. That they might be with him. So that he may send them. The being with comes first. So don't break your head. I am not going on evangelism. I, oh God help me to evangelize. I, am not, I don't have boldness to preach. Each time I see sinners I don't have. What are you preaching? After all preaching is witnessing. What is witness? Sharing your experience. That's witness. Tell people what God has told you. You remember the, the, the Samaritan woman. How did she preach? What was her message? Come and see. Come and see a man that told me whom I am. Do you know how I interpret that place? <laughs> I said the woman had been deceiving people. You know the Bible told us he had many husbands. So she's a, she was a professional harlot. So that pot she used to carry. That's what she used to deceive people. My interpretation of that place is that you know the hour that woman goes to fetch water is a wrong hour. And she deliberately chose to use that hour because Bible stipulated the hour to tell us something. The reason why she decided to go to fetch water that time is that that's the time when his men come to the well to draw water. And you know his men, boys, 
He was looking for boys he will catch. So that's why when he saw Jesus from far, I suspected, I assumed, she, he, she turned her step. Because he saw a young man of 32 years. Came close and saw this man. I, this man. <laughs> she wanted to turn. So the, the villagers had known her with that pot. So that particular day, when she went back to the village and was shouting, I was assuming that some young men who were around looked around and saw that the woman was no longer with the pot. That was why they followed her. If they had seen the same pot, so she dropped her pot. She dropped her old nature. Say, come and see. That is witness. Don't wait until you are caught to, to hold a crusade, to speak in a crusade. No! Simple witness. See what Jesus told me. See what is happening in my life. Join me. That's witness. That's going to all the world and making disciples. When they see that and come close, then you begin to apply those things we were talking about in the morning. This is one very important thing about discipleship. I've learned it and God has been using it to teach me deep things. Very deep things that I didn't know before. I was thinking I know how to interpret Bible. And I think I've been interpreting for others. But through this, I learned how to interpret Bible to speak to me as a person. So that after my devotion, I'll be seeing this is what God has told me. That is the only one thing that is very important. When you do that, you help. How does this impact my relationship? Once you begin to obey, it will impact your relationship. You can now share with others and that means multiplication. Remember, prayer is part of the devotion. After this, pray. Pray. Don't just pray. Pray holistic prayer. Pray the prayer that Prayer that will be solid according to the word. Start from what God told you. Like in this place, when I started praying, I asked God, forgive me for the way I have been seeing people. Forgive my judgments of men. Help me, God, to see the log on my eyes and remove it. And then started praying about other people. Pray and even bring your burdens and challenges to God in prayer. Pray for unbelievers that you know, pray that they will repent. These responses must be written down as reference. You, have, you need to have a journal. Most of us have been taught this. Have a journal. Write these things. After the place you will read for the day, Write the passage, write the date. Then after reading, then start right head. Write down what you observed. Write down your, your interpretations. Then come under, give a, a gap, then write hearts. Write those ones. The writing that will help you that some other times you may make reference to them. And you see yourself growing, naturally growing. Praise the Lord. And you will be like a tree planted 
beside the waters. The five key areas of making disciples. Five key areas of making disciples. Personal discipleship. Personal. Personal discipleship. That's the beginning. So don't rush to make others disciples until you are sure you have started and you are a disciple. And that's why I'm telling you one key thing you will be doing in your personal di discipleship. This devotion is one key thing. When you do it, your love for God will grow. Your desire to become like Him will, will, will deepen. And, and um, your character will be changing. There will be transformation. And that is discipleship. The additional thing is that God will connect you to a mentor that will be helping you. Praise God. That's number one. Number two is, um, and in your personal discipleship, you'll be asking yourself, what is the Lord teaching you in my personal work with Him? You'll be looking at, that's how you know you are, you are growing. What is the Lord teaching me? Not what, like, I believe that in this meeting, the Lord will be telling you something. Be telling you something. So when you take that thing that is teaching you and obey, is a sign you're a disciple. You may also ask yourself again, how is the Lord changing my attitude of heart through my devotional 3D? How is the Lord changing my heart? Like I share with you, when I was talking about how I changed from being angry, it started from this this devotion. God opened my eyes on the issue of sin because I discovered that the chain that led to being angry is possibly maybe because of what you hear people say against you. Then one day the Lord was teaching me through this devotion. I said, are you are you interested in what the, the praise of men or the praise of God. So it was that this thing made me to think praise of men. It's like it is the praise of men that makes me to be angry when I am criticized. The Lord helped me to focus on the praise of God, not the praise of men. And so even when you speak against me, it doesn't affect me because I'm interested in what is God saying about me. Even when you praise me, it doesn't move me because your praise, you may not be well informed about me. Your praise may be hypocritical. So the praise of men doesn't help. So this was the way the Lord taught me and is helping me. Are you encountering some spiritual transformation in your relationship with others? Relationship with others. How is it? Is there any change? Or is it the same thing? You still retain your enemies? You are still angry against some people? When you are undergoing personal discipleship, these things, there will be changes in these areas. How are you helping others to grow or work with the, with the Lord? So, these are areas. And then the second stage is family discipleship. Family discipleship. Maybe tomorrow I will highlight that. Family discipleship. Very, very important. Very, very important. When you become a disciple, the next point of call is your family. Your wife. Share what you learn with your wife. 
Share what you learned with your husband. A sister that we started working with on this discipleship. Because we have, I started a small group uh, for the cathedral. My wife is part of that group. The sister that was, that is part of this group, when she learned this thing, she told us she went home and started applying it. He said, her husband, she was seeing her as an unbeliever. And because of that understanding, she don't regard the man, not that she disobeyed the man, but she don't feel the man is a, she don't give the man the needed respect. Because she thinks the man is an unbeliever. She was telling us this. But when God opened her eyes in this thing, she began to see herself. She began to see that she should not behave like Sadducees and Pharisees. She said she went home and shared with the husband what she learned. And told the family that they would be doing this disciple, this devotion. They started. She taught the husband. Later she came and was telling me, do you know this man I thought was an unbeliever? He's not an unbeliever. It's only that I've not walked with him. And she said, the love I have for this man now, I've never had it for over 25 years we are married. I'm talking about not a small girl. I'm talking about a woman that can have um, think three graduates. So start from your family. You may have that same attitude like this woman. When you think you know Jesus better than your husband just because you attend fellowship and see the man as another wicked man who don't like your praying that even when you want to pray the man will not join you. Who knows whether it is coming from your attitude. After personal devotion move to a family. Your husband or your wife. The first stage in family. The second stage is your children. I told you about a pastor that was praying in a church function and the children were mocking him. I said, is it daddy that is praying like this? Oh, public prayer. Because the man was not praying in the house. Let's stop this strange Christianity. Personal devotion, family devotion. Bring your children that have been given to us by God that we may bring them to the knowledge of God. After family devotion, in the family devotion you will ask yourself, how is your relationship with your children? How is your family altar going? Are you reaching out in your community as a family? Chaplain told us in the morning, he said when he was visiting his antagonistic brothers, he carried his children so that the children will observe what he's doing. And that's discipleship. Then after that local church discipleship, before we begin to go out, what is happening in the family will reflect in this local church. Because assuming now, three of us, because I'm not even praying, I'm not praying for all of you to take this thing, even though it will be my joy. But I am just saying, God, please, give me just three persons that will catch this fire. 
three persons, they will change the story of this church. When you take it to your home, maybe your children in the SCM, your children among the youth, what you are teaching them in the home, they will bring it and be teaching one or two people in the church. And before you know it, it will spread. That's the plan of God. That's why I said, when in any church where discipleship is working, there will be no time for evangelism. You will not talk about this week is for evangelism. You will not talk about we, are, uh, we have prayer team. Because everybody will be praying. Everybody will know how to pray. Even though there are some gifted people, those gifted people are to train others in gaining skills. Skills in those particular areas. Not that they will be doing it alone. Just like in this music now, somebody will be highly gifted in that area. So he will be training others. That's the plan of God. When you come to a local church, the local church, anybody coming in, is being welcomed warmly and lovely. And he will be going under this discipleship. Not, not as a rule, because in some churches they say, once you come in, no matter where you are coming in from, you must pass through our, our um, follow-up program. That's not what I mean. Not that type of rule. I'm talking about imparting life. Imparting life. Not intimidating people or telling people that you are better. Discipleship is not about showing up. It's not telling anybody you are better. Even when you are mentoring somebody, you are not mentoring him because you are better than him. You are mentoring him because the grace of God has given you knowledge over him. And through that knowledge you work together. Because even when you disciple others, you are learning from the person you are discipling. You learn from him. You share life together. He's sharing life together. You don't just give him. You share life. Share life. You pick from him. He pick from you. You see now how chaplain helped me in the morning. The answer he gave in the morning, do you think I would have given the same answer? He gave an answer from a practical experience, which I don't have. And I learned from him. So we learn from one another. That is discipleship. I am praying that God will raise I just, I'm just saying it. I pray just three persons from this meeting who will catch this fire. And then start. You don't need big program. Start small. If you go through the Bible, that's how it happened. We will read that Paul visited this place. After preaching, he went to the house of uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Apollos came and Priscilla and Aquila took him. Apollos was a preacher. Aquila and Priscilla, we are not preachers. But they took him home and discipled him a preacher. Placed him in order and pushed him. And he continued to preach and became a better preacher. But what we do today is, when you say anybody you are better off, you begin to laugh. Okay? You see them now? They say they are preachers. This woman and this man took somebody, a preacher that was invited, to preach, they saw his weaknesses. They saw his areas of weakness. They brought him in, taught him the right thing. And he became better. You remember Barnabas? Barnabas heard about Paul. He went for Paul. Took Paul for some years. Discipled Paul. Nobody heard about Barnabas. 
Barabbas cannot write any epistle. He didn't write any. He discipled Paul and Paul wrote epistles and laid foundation for the gospel. So in discipleship, it's not about who is bigger, who is better. No. Somebody that is not known may disciple somebody that will be known tomorrow. The name is not the issue. The important thing is the work of God going on. That's discipleship. Begin with the most important thing. Three Ds. Three Ds. And use this forehage to interpret your Bible. And you will see God will be speaking to you on daily basis. And you will have something to pray. And when coming out of your devotion, you will be saying boldly, look at what God is teaching me. Let us pray. I just want you to pray for yourself. Jesus called us that we may become disciples so that we can make others disciples. Will you be humble to submit yourself to Him? So that it can make you. I want us to sing this old song. As a way of saying to God. Help us we want to follow you. But I want you to sing only if you. If that is your wish. But if you think you are not ready yet, you can keep quiet. I have decided to follow Jesus. No going back. Decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And desire. Can you stand and sing that song? I have
Father, we are grateful for this privilege of sitting at your feet to learn. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to show us the pathway of how to escape this present corruption that is upon our hearts and the world through lust. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Jesus, we look up to you. For we know with you grace is available. And Father, King of glory, many times in our lives we face the challenge of the discipline of staying with you and working with you. The discipline of maintaining a daily devotional life. The discipline of maintaining a daily relationship. And Lord, we know that there are many distractions. Lord, we understand that the weight is even heavy on account of the attentions that call every moment and every time around us. But this day, Lord, we come before you knowing that your grace is available to help us, especially in this hour of need. We need you more, Jesus, now. And so we ask that you release in our hearts that these words, O oh God, go beyond just things which we have heard, that they shall become in us revelation, operating, and bringing the true life and nature of Christ out of our lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we trust that you will bring us to that fullness of maturity, that stature of Christ, which is the, the vision of everyone that has come to the cross. Lord, we ask that you will give us the strength to stand in these areas, especially to be your disciple. Lord, beginning from my own self and, our, and my brethren, my family, my children, the local church, the assembly, Lord, we pray that your grace in this time that we know that the world is in tribulation. The church, Lord, is great 
in, in activities but, but little in depth. We ask that your word, Lord, will, will find root in our spirits through this daily devotional lifestyle in the name of Jesus. So we rebuke every attention and every distraction and every influence that our environment may want to create around our hearts. All the tyrannies of, of activities and giving us a sense, a false sense of urgency of the things that may not really matter. Lord, help our hearts to become refocused. Help our, our minds to become directed. That we may know the things that matter for our soul now as it, is at, as it concerns that which will make our growth in your kingdom. Heavenly Father, we ask for your help. We pray for your grace. Lord, even as we sit with you, it is your mercy that draws close to yourself. For no man can find you if you don't reveal yourself to him. Reveal yourself to us. All the more. That our hearts will be kindled by the fire of your presence. And let our soul be strengthened. Never to be discouraged. Even in this journey. Thank you Lord because you have given us an opportunity. To have a better relationship with us. Oh what a privileged time we have enjoyed in your presence. Blessed be thy name. In Jesus' name we pray.